Well, going with the theme we've been in the last uh, week or so, on overcoming temptation. It's going to be part two in this little mini-series. We looked at last week um, the first step in overcoming temptation uh, is receiving Christ as Savior, right? We need help. <laughs> we need someone on the inside to change our hearts, right? It's not just the outward rules. If, if, you, if you follow through the scriptures uh, and you see, first of all, when, when Adam and Eve ate from that tree in the garden, right? The knowledge of good and evil. I know what's right and wrong, and they did wrong anyway, right? Then God chooses Abraham, starts a, a whole race of people that are supposed to be the light of the world, and gives them the law, actually spells it out. Here's what you're supposed to do. And they couldn't do it either. So now we have a new relationship with God through Christ. Now we have that Holy Spirit who comes to live in us. Not to demand, but to guide, to lead us in the right ways that we should go. Changing us from the inside out. And that's what it's all about. Thank you, Lord. So, we looked at uh, also very, very important understanding God's posture toward us. When we fall, when we blow it, when we fail, what is God like? You know, I, I, it's, it's unfortunate for us imperfect dads. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys are better than me, but um, we kind of represent God to our children. And that's a very scary thought. <laughs> um, but as we were treated, you know, if, if we were made to feel like we were never good enough for our dads, we kind of carry that into our relationship with the Lord, don't we? Um, but we need to understand that God is a perfect father, and his posture toward us when we fail, when we fall, is not one of disappointment, not one at holding you at arm's length until you do penance and all this kind of stuff. No, he is open-armed toward us. I love that scripture in James where it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who will give generously without finding fault. Right? He's not going to condemn you. He wants to help. He wants to give us wisdom in our time of need. Right? Because that's who he is, full of grace. So we need to understand that going in, that in our struggle against this flesh of ours, in our struggle against temptation, God's posture toward us is open-armed. And helping. But today we want to look at what the Bible says about the power of sin in our lives, especially how that power was broken by a greater power called the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Turn to Romans 6 this morning. Romans chapter 6. And I want you to, once you, once you have that, I want you to keep your place there. But I want to show you another verse as we get started this morning that is incredibly important to understand as a foundation for this. Proverbs 23, 6 and 7, I like this in the New King James. Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you but his heart is not with you. Okay? This person, the Bible says, is a miser. Okay? They say that you're at their house and they say, eat, drink, 
But inwardly, they despise you. They want that stuff for themselves. They don't want you eating their food. They're trying to, you know, be polite or whatever, but they really don't want you eating their stuff. And, and what they say and what's really going on is two different things, right? One of the points of this particular proverb is that people can look a certain way, sound a certain way, say certain things, but the reality is what's going on in the heart, in our inner thoughts. I want to entitle the message today, As We Think. As We Think. Um, For at least 70 years, um, according to John Bryant, uh, a a runner and a journalist, uh, from about the late 1880s, they... um, set their sights on the four-minute mile, right? It was this thing that for, again, 70 years or greater, um, probably going back to the Greek Olympics, really, but it was the what was known as the impossible barrier to run a mile in four minutes. Uh, Bryant writes that it was as much of a psychological barrier as a physical one. People would get close to it, and it just was that elusive thing, can't break it. Four four, four minutes and one second, four minutes and two seconds. They got close, but never, ever, ever could break that until 1954, Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile. Two two months later, somebody else broke it. And from what I read, up to last year, almost 1,700 people have broken that mark now that that barrier has come down, right? Yeah. Because as they thought it was impossible, it was, wasn't it? When that barrier got lifted, everybody says, yep, it's possible. 1,700 people now, right? So we need to understand that principle going forward as we look at Romans 6. Because we're going to look at Romans 6, we're going to see some truth in the scriptures. This is going to be kind of meaty today. I hope, I hope you brought your fork and knife, because we're going to get into some, some serious meat here today. Um, we're going to see some truth, right? How Jesus, in his death and resurrection, defeated the power of sin. Not just for himself, but for those who have put their faith and trust in him. But here's the thing. If you and I read this today, if we get into this scripture and we see this truth today and we say, yep, I agree with that wholeheartedly, and yet within our hearts we go back tomorrow morning and say, you know, I'll never overcome this temptation. I've been doing this for years. It's, it's just who I am. I got a temper. It's my Irish. It's my red hair, whatever. You know, um, it's, it's just the way it's always been. As we think in our hearts, so will we be. doesn't matter what the truth says. What matters is what's going on in here. And we need to understand that before we look at the truth. Amen? Okay. So, we see the truth. We might like the truth. We might even proclaim the truth. But we need to have the truth, right? We need to know that we know that we know. 
Now, not just up here. It's got to be in here. So the question is, before we go anywhere else, how in the world do we get truth from up here into here? Somebody coined that as the longest 18 inches in the world, right? Some of us a little shorter than others. <clears throat> but, so how do we get the truth from our heads to our hearts? Let me know the account of Joshua in the Bible. Joshua was Moses' aide, his, uh, his next in command, if you will. Uh, he was the one, actually, Moses, at the, at the end, after bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt, he didn't get, into, get to go into the promised land. It was Joshua that actually took the people in. Interesting that Joshua is the Hebrew, uh, actually Yeshua, for the Greek Jesus, right? Who takes us into the promised land. God doesn't, God doesn't make mistakes with any of this, right? So, Joshua, when God called him to that task and to that place of leadership over the people of Israel, he says this in Joshua 1.8. He says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. We get the truth of God's word from here to here by meditating in it. A lot of you have heard me use this illustration. I love it because you never forget it once you hear it. You know how a cow has four stomachs, right? They chew their cud, they swallow it into the first one, they bring it back up again and chew on it some more, then down into the second one, then they bring it back up. It's gross, but again, you never forget it once you hear it. And that is the whole idea behind meditating on the Word of God, right? We encounter a truth in Scripture, and we look at it, we see it, and we go, yeah, I like that. That's, that's true. That's what God, what Jesus did for me on the cross, and, and, and I love this. And we, chew, and we take that truth and we swallow it. But then we bring it back up, and we chew on it some more, and we say, okay, what does this really mean? What is this really? Let me let me look at the context around that scripture. Who's he talking to? What's he saying? What what is the general theme of the of the book here? And 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 what's it? What's you know get a get a bigger picture of it? And then we swallow that, and then we bring it back up and chew on it again. We say, okay, how does this fit in the general context of scripture? Is this something that I'm just pulling out from here, or is this a principle that I see all the way through? And then, oh yeah, this Ephesians lines up with Psalms, and that lines up with this over here in Exodus, and, and it just, you know, it gets bigger and bigger, and that truth gets clearer and clearer. Right? And then finally, as we're meditating on this, it's like, okay, God, and, and remember, we're, we're doing this all, I hope you pray before you read the Bible, because He's the one that wrote it. He's the, he's the interpreter, right? The Holy Spirit. And as we do this in the Lord's presence, it's like, okay, God, how does this apply in my life? Maybe a situation I'm going through right now, right? What, what, what are you saying to me in my life, and, and how does this work? And, and we begin to put ourselves you know, with this scriptural truth, we put ourselves in different situations. Hey, I would, last month, I, really, I wish I knew this last month because I went through this or, or I'm going through, you know, different situations. How can we literally, you know, where the rubber hits the road on this thing and apply it in our lives? So it's so, so important 
to, to do that and not just read a verse and go, hey, I like that, and walk away. Because then it stays up here. If it stays, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. If it stays, right? Oh, lunchtime? <laughs> but you, you have to, you know, and, and yes, it takes time. It takes time. But doesn't anything that's worth it take time? Right? You're building a relationship with your spouse, right? Or, or building a ministry or doing whatever. Anything that's worth it takes time. So, are you ready? We're, we're going to feed. We're going to feed your first stomach here today, and maybe a little bit more. But the rest is going to be up to you. Not just not just walking away after Sunday. Let's get back. Let's open this book back up to Romans six on Monday, and talk to the Lord about it. Right? Okay. Romans six, beginning at verse one. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Paul had just told them in Romans chapter 5 how the greatness of God's grace. You know, we, we come to the cross right? with, with all of our sin. We, we understand that Jesus died for us. And we, we've sinned a lot you know, in our lives. And we come before the cross with just everything. And his grace is so much greater. Right? So, some of us may have come to the Lord when we were four, five, six, seven years old. Okay, Don't have a whole lot of dirty laundry to bring. Some come later in life, and we got a lot of dirty laundry to bring to the Lord. right? But uh, as Paul says, where sin abounds, grace does more abound. It doesn't matter how much God's grace is bigger than all the sin that you could ever commit. God's grace, his mercy, abounds over it all. So he anticipates a question. Well, if 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 my if the if my sin and and how much of it if that you know just shines the light on how great God is and how great His grace is, why don't we just continue to sin because it'll just show all the more how great His mercy is and and great. And Paul's like, whoa, how can we who are dead to sin still live in it? Truth number one. As born-again believers who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, we have died to sin. Right? Isn't that what he says? How can we who are dead to sin live in it any longer? We, as Christians, as Christ followers, we have died to sin. What in the world does that mean? Well, now he's going to explain it. Look at verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Okay, lots here. So, let's talk about baptism. Last week, remember, we talked about when we're born again. Uh, I love this illustration. It's like a glass, taking a glass, you know, just a regular drinking glass, and submerging it in the ocean, right? The ocean's in the glass, the glass is in the ocean, right? When we come to faith, genuine faith in Jesus, when we ask him to be our Savior, his Holy Spirit comes in to us, right? And we all, right, the Bible talks about the body of Christ. We all share that same spirit. We all come into Christ. He's in us. We are 
in him. We are baptized into Christ. Right? We are submerged in him, in his spirit, the spirit of Christ. Right? So this is one of the things that we picture with water baptism. Okay? Water baptism is, is an outward proclamation of what's already been done by the Spirit. We've already been baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. We've become one with Him. And now, in our water baptism, we picture that. We say, yes, I am one with Christ, right? Submerged in Him, right? Dead and risen again. That's what baptism is all about. It's, it's a proclamation of what's already been done by the Spirit. So since we now have the Spirit of Christ living in us, Right? The Spirit of Christ living in us. What happened to Him 2,000 years ago is applied to us in God's eyes. Truth number two. We are baptized into or made partakers of both Christ's death and His resurrection. Swallow that truth, right? You know we need to meditate on that. So what in a world, right? What do you mean I'm made partakers of Christ's death and his resurrection? As far as God is concerned, when Jesus died on the cross, those of us who have him in us, right, we died there on the cross as well. And the penalty for our sin, death, was paid as if we physically hung there ourselves and paid for our sins. It's kind of like this. Think about insurance for a minute, okay? You go to a job, you get insurance. And that insurance covers your dependents, right? Your child. Right? They have the you 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 you're the one that's employed, you get the insurance policy. It says you have such and such copays, such and such this and that and, and you know, all those things, and that applies to your child. They're not working there. Right? They're not employed for that by that company, but they have the exact same it's it's applied to them as if they were you, right? Same thing going on here. For those that have trusted Christ, what is applied to him is applied to us, who are his family. And not just his death, but also his resurrection. Verse 4, where we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Look at those last three words, newness of life, a life that is new, a life that is different than it was before. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Okay? Death and resurrection. Think, think of it this way. You, caterpillar, right? Uh, think of a, a lowly caterpillar, right, crawling around, eating leaves, doing its thing, getting all fatted up, and kind of a eh, kind of life, right? And then a change takes place, a metamorphosis. It becomes now a butterfly soaring on the wind, 
drinking nectar, right? Sweet nectar from flowers. Do you, do you see the illustration there? Do you see the parallel? I, I, I don't think a caterpillar has much of a brain. There's a lot of instinct involved. After struggling to get free of that cocoon and waiting, you know, for those wings to to plump up, it just takes off, right? But can you imagine if that caterpillar had a brain and it thought, you know, wow, that was weird. All of a sudden it was dark for a while and, and, uh, you know, I, I broke out and here I am and can't really see myself. So, you know... I guess I'll just crawl around and eat leaves. Right? Don't feel any different, whatever. Right? Isn't that kind of the way it can be for us? We come to Christ. You're a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. And then Monday morning hits. We look in the mirror. And we reach for the coffee, the elixir of life. to get us through the day. Same problems that I had yesterday, same situations in my life, nothing's changed. I'm just the same person. And as we think in our heart, so will we be. Right? That's why it's so important for you and I to get into our identity in Christ, to see what God says is for us. We are baptized into the death of Jesus, just as if we died and rose again to live a new kind of life. A new life with the Holy Spirit living in us, guiding us, empowering us, right? We're no longer left to our own devices, no longer, here's the good and the bad, do this, don't do that, there's the law, keep it. If you want to be a good Christian or want to be a good person or whatever, there it is. that's done. That's over. The old life of darkness, of, of just giving in to our every whim and, and living life for ourselves and looking out for number one. And it's all about, you know, get what you can, can what you get, and then sit on the can so, you know, it can't get away from you. Um, all that's done. That's over. That's the old life. It's gone. We have been resurrected into a new creation with a new life empowered by God. But is it in here? Or are we thinking of ourselves and looking at ourselves? This is the way it's always been. This is the way it's always going to be. Because as we think in our heart, so will we be. So, The problem with us humans, and we're not caterpillars, we still have that residual of our old thoughts, our old experiences running around in our head. And it, it's kind of like, I remember vinyl records. Actually, they're coming back, but you know, remember vinyl records. Every time you put that needle on the same record, it's going to play the same song, isn't it? We got to do something to bump this needle out to play a different song, and that's meditating on the Word of God, meditating on His truth, 
as he told Joshua, as we do that, as we look at these truths and say, yes, this is who I am. This is what God has done for me and is going to do in me. And we trust him by faith in his supernatural power to accomplish these things in us. We will become what he says. Amen. So, just as Christ, just as Christ, he says, was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. There is a power and a glory of God to work in us to cause us to live that new life. And next week, we're going to have to wait till next week to look at some of the qualities of that life. But do you see how just a, a casual reading of these four verses probably wouldn't have been too productive? We had to dig, didn't we? What, what, what does it mean, right? What is he talking about here? You're, you're, you're dead. Uh, in, you've been baptized into Christ. What, what does all that mean, right? We've got to dig. We've got we to gotta meditate. We've got to... Swirl it around prayerfully and say, God, what are you saying to me? So that we can begin to grasp that heavenly identity as new creations and realize just the grace that we have received from the death, not only the death of Jesus to forgive our sins, but the resurrection of Jesus to change our lives. In Christ, I am a new creation. Say that with me. In Christ, I am a new creation. What does that mean? Let's find out. Amen? I died to the old life. I'm risen by God's power to something new and greater. Just like a caterpillar to a butterfly. But again... We don't want to get a spiritual high on Sunday and then go back into Monday morning and go, here I am, same old, same old, same old, right? No. That's, and the enemy uses that to keep us down. But that's not who we are. we got to quit crawling around as caterpillars and trust God to soar on the heights. And he'll do it. We just have faith in him. And know the truth in here. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you, Lord. And, and still here, I've scratched the surface. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your power that's extended to us, God. But you know, we got to do things on our end. we we, we got to search the truth out. And believe you to make it happen by faith. So help us, Lord. Help us to really get a hold of it. We need it, Lord, in this day and in this time. The world's falling around, around us. We need to know who you are, who you are in us, and who we are in you. So draw us, Lord. Draw us into your words. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Encourage us on this journey for your glory, for your praise. Through Christ we pray.
everyone said, Amen.